Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for Enterprise, another special episode in which we're going to let loose with our predictions for 2021. Uh, 2020 has not been kind to people's predictions or plans or expectations or really anything much, but uh, we're going to try our luck with 2021 and see if we do any better, if 2020 has brought us any wisdom. So in strict alphabetical order, Mike, you're up first. All right, so I'll, I'll I'll take the first one. By the way, if you're listening to this, it's 2021. We haven't been hit by a meteor, so Dominic, your first prediction was incorrect from last episode. Uh, but I'll, Got I'll it. yeah, yeah, you know. So there you go. It didn't happen. Um, my first prediction is around <clears throat> Amazon and AWS. <clears throat> I believe that this is the year that uh, Amazon, uh, as smart as they are, to avoid um, monopoly uh, and the DOJ forcing them to split their company. Uh, splits AWS and AWS becomes its standalone entity. But really what it allows, it allows AWS to continue to be a monopoly and basically featureize all these startups, uh, crushing innovation as they've uh, they've been since the beginning. And we'll continue to see millions and millions of uh, new features in AWS. I think that is clear as day because Amazon is is thinking always two steps ahead of everybody. Plus, they need to focus on pharmacy, medical, and all other things. So AWS standalone and continues to featureize all startups. So saying the pendulum swings from everything being a feature to all of those features becoming individual companies again? Uh, I don't think so. I think they'll just, you, you know, Amazon, I mean, look, the cloud players look at all these startups and basically say, do we acquire, do we build, or do we kill? And and I think it's the, the Facebook playbook. I, I think they've been doing it for a long time, and that's what's going to continue to happen with uh, with this play. And, and Amazon sees it coming um, like nobody else. Zach, you've been you, you've been a pretty negative on AWS. Agree, disagree, or or see it the same way. I mean, so it's, I don't want to get ahead of myself on my prediction. I th- yeah, I think they're, um, I think they're they are they are ahead of everybody as far as where they want to go. But can they get there? But no, I I, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, the only the only question is if Andy Jazzy stays as CEO. Uh, I don't know that he's the right person, but yeah, that's a discussion for another day. I won't even try to comment on the Kremlinology of Amazon internal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see that going either way. Uh, we'll, we'll let that play out. Okay, so your number one prediction is Amazon splits up. And yep. I could see that there are enough... Uh, court cases and things going on out there and it's not too out there what's interesting with that is where's microsoft and all of this obviously they don't have the the breadth of amazon they're not in retail you know specifically so but if you think about it all these trillion dollar market cap companies that are being uh, attacked you know microsoft is quietly in the corner just doing their thing so do they do they even benefit from this perhaps i, I don't know microsoft has always been good at cultivating um like little kid brother companies out there that deflected the assertions of a monopoly power. Like it was, it almost feels as though there's some hidden chapter in their playbook that says, leave a certain number of meaningful organizations alive in markets that we may or may not actually have any interest in, you know, keep them going so that we have a counterpoint against any kind of accusations. Yeah, famously in the 90s, they kept Apple alive with investment and with doing Office for for Apple, for the Mac. 
right or citrix right and google is running that play today with uh firefox Uh, look we don't have a browser monopoly there's firefox over there that's right that's right and they sort of uh, subversively control all of this right like they're they're these little companies are in their debt in to a great extent but they maintain a, a separate entity and a large enough entity that it doesn't um, it it's sort of it, it it's a foil and that's great. I mean I, I I don't know if it's fantastic, but it's better than the alternative, which is just to shoot everyone dead. But to be fair, they're not like Amazon in the respect that you know they're not a transportation or a retail company. They're not like Google where they're a healthcare and entertainment company, advertisement right. company. So they they are you know they are focused on what they're doing. I I think they might benefit from some of this. I I, I think though like if you think of Microsoft, they're just they're not arrogant, so that's what keeps them out of the news a, a lot. I mean, Amazon has just become yeah, arrogant, bullish. Um they're, they're the bully. I mean, they're just the bully for everybody now. So and it's starting to show. It's starting to show in the way they talk, the way they act, and and um, I, I think the industry will take notice. So when the industry starts talking bad about you because you don't benefit them, then everybody else will pile on. That's that's at least how I, I how I feel about it. I mean, yeah, depends how you see it, where you are. And Amazon has that consumer visibility, which Microsoft these days kind of doesn't. I would agree with that. Is okay. there still an Xbox out there? People There's forget. Yeah, there's a brand new one that just came out, but people kind of forget that that's Microsoft. Oh, Xbox, yeah, I guess it's like LinkedIn and GitHub. They own all of these these things, but they they they've kind of ducked out of the limelight. It's mm. uh, interesting compared yeah. to you know in the '90s they were desperate to be culturally relevant. They did all those crazy music videos for Windows ninety five and the uh, Zune. Ooh, the Zune. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They miss they miss them. They miss them. Let's face it. We have to get uh, that Star Wars clip. Oh, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> okay, so that was Mike's uh, first prediction. I'm going to go next. I think, for me, the big trend that's going to continue into 2021 uh, is going to be the change in the nature of open source. Uh, so there's been a lot happening with open source this year. Uh, part of it has been increasingly high-profile attempts by Amazon, once again, a bit of a theme developing, uh, to take over open source projects and run them uh, as SaaS. Uh, but also just recently, there was the the whole CentOS uh, thing. So the CentOS projects getting shut down uh, in favor of Red Hat. And that was always a weird setup, to be sure. But I think that trend is going to continue as people stop running software on premises, the interest in open source as open source is also going to diminish in favor of running software as a service. And once it's SaaS, does it really matter where it came from, how it got coded? Um, potentially, there might be an interest in having the code available in some way, uh, perhaps to be able to forestall uh the types of issues that we saw with SolarWinds, where malicious code gets injected. Uh, but the specific SolarWinds attack, for instance, that would not have helped uh, to identify that. So, yeah, I see a major shakeup starting. It won't end in 2021, but I see that uh, accelerating and becoming more visible uh, as the, the idea of enterprise open source uh, takes a, a major beating. So does that mean, Dominic, that you see more enterprises adopting open source or less? It depends on how you count it, right? Uh, I just think that fewer people will be running it themselves. They won't be managing open source themselves. And if you're not managing it yourself, if you're using a service provided by someone else, 
the nature of the license governing that service is less important. Uh, pardon me, the nature of the license governing the, the software code is less important than the nature of the contract governing the service. And so that, that's going to change the relationship that people and especially companies have uh, with open source, where before it was A, uh, an ideological choice, but also B, a practical choice. And uh, nowadays, an open source product consumed via SaaS looks very much like a commercial product, closed source consumed via SaaS. Uh, from the point of view of the end user, uh, there isn't that much difference. And so that is going to, I think, start to reverberate across the industry in a few different ways. I, I can see, I can totally, I can totally see that. And I, I think for the first time over 2020, the power of open source, not only in software, but in hardware became visible because of this whole like hardware shift in, in Intel and um, yeah, and ARM. So yeah, it's interesting. It's happening everywhere, right? So yeah, we have risk v that's open source CPU design happening there. So I'm not saying open source goes away. Uh, I'm saying that it's, it becomes kind of like the way Apple uses open source. It's in there somewhere, but it's not anywhere that it's accessible to users. And it's far from the first or even the hundredth thing that anyone would tell you uh, about why they use an Apple platform. Would agree with that. I think it's how you operationalize it. Uh, I look at open source from even a service rider perspective. So you have open VRAN, which is the radio access network and think about 5G. There's a lot going on there um, with open source. So the focus there really is how are they going to manage everything? So I, I think as, um, you know, technology like, you know, uh, any kind of autonomous operational technology or anything that's going to make it easier to operate. And that's where the focus will be to consume these open source technologies because there are some benefits there, uh, but it depends. It really depends. So again, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Open source is here. And I, I think there's a lot of benefits. I think people are going to focus on how do they operationalize it. So we'll see how those two interact as well, because Amazon is, of course, a major consumer of open source projects, which they make available as a service. Uh, so they will be an actor. Uh, so, so far, we've come up with two trends that I think will end up being tied together in the way they actually manifest. Lilac, do you have a big trend to share with us, a big I prediction? totally non-tech prediction, but I think it actually is going to impact all of our lives. Um, I think we're going to see a massive change in the real estate market globally um, because the if, if work from home is becoming much, much more prevalent, I think most of us didn't buy or rent our homes uh, with that in mind, with the idea that two adults, even if the children are, are back at school or elsewhere, that the idea that two adults would need, um, you know, video conference ready rooms separated to do their jobs. And, and if that's going to become a big trend, I think most home footprints, like, and I live in New England, where home footprints are typically smaller. Um, we're not Texas here. Um, we, most home footprints didn't account for that. And I think we're going to see a real shift in the way people choose to to live and and possibly a way in which people are even compensated to to account for that um, growth in and real estate footprint so i think i think this next year is not going to be a year to sell your studio apartment um because it's just going to be a little a little trickier do you do you think this is how do i put this but do you believe people will really leave cities? I mean, we see it happening in New York and California because of yeah high tax. Yeah. Um, maybe where you are as well. I mean, do you think people are really going to move in droves? I mean, I, I could see some people with families, but I don't know that the cities lose their their power, right? I 
you know, it's it's been debated, but I, I don't know that it'll happen. The, do you see something different where you are, Lilac? Um, so I have a number of friends who've moved into, you know, Maine, which for us feels like the hinterlands, but I, I, I hear it's lovely. Um, uh, it's just a part of, it's just a part of Canada. That's why everybody loves oh, it. Oh, like that's why yeah, the Mounties <laughs> just, you know, cross over the border. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. For it's much. too much Stephen King to ever go anywhere near Maine, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Moose are very, very sadistic. Um, the, the, I mean, we do see a little bit of an exodus. I think that the cities always, there was this group of people who chose to, to raise families in cities, which were always, I think, a little bit different from most of us would prefer to be in like a proximate suburb or live in a place with slightly more room. Um, so I think the cities were always a little bit dominated by the single or younger people who actually lived there. Um, but I, I don't think you actually lose the power of the cities, but I do think that the, that the curve gets a little bit flatter, if that makes sense. And more and more people move out further and further away. Um, and I think that, that perhaps we'll see less, um, less movement toward the coasts by people who are looking for employment because that's not necessary anymore. I, I think, you know, the one thing I would agree with is companies who look for talent. I mean, they've always talked about, oh, we'll hire talent no matter where it is. And they've never really done it or only some companies have done it. I think that will change now. I, I think companies will really start to look for talent uh, no matter where it is, but potentially recruitment's not built for it. But yeah, let's see. I, I believe that will, will really happen. Um, I don't know if companies will relocate like people, though. Um, that, that's Didn't a Elon hard... Musk just relocate? Yeah, he did. He's in Austin, and a lot of people in in Silicon Valley are moving to like. It, it seems like it's it's Miami and Austin, Texas, that are the two hotbeds. Mm. But they'll just become another New York and in California if, if if everybody moves right. That's, I mean, I don't think of Austin as like a particularly rural destination. Um, so it's not <laughs> yeah, like he's yeah. like we're gonna really make Wichita happen, right? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd- I can see that's happening, though, because I mean, I've been a precursor. I've been working from home for a long time. I've got my battle desk all set up uh, at home with all my video conferencing gear and whatnot. Uh, but uh, my wife has never had a home office because she's only worked from home one, maybe two days a week. And that's something that we're actually getting set up right now, um, since it looks like by the time we get a vaccine and everything's back to normal, there, it's probably the bulk of 2021 still to go. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it makes sense to do it. And once you've got it, we'll, we'll use it. Um, and we had made that choice to be in a provincial city, not in a major city, to raise a family because we already did the London thing, the, the big metro thing. Um, and I see that starting to be more of a possible choice. People had been more split. If mm-hmm. I stay in San Francisco, if I stay in London, I literally cannot afford to start a family but I can't leave because my entire career and professional network is here. And some of the changes that 2020 accelerated uh, will start to look more permanent. Some of them will be rolled back. As I said in the last episode, I can't wait to travel and see people in person again. But some of these trends will be more permanent. I agree with you there. And they will start to manifest in the physical world. Zach, you're up next. Double oh, Z. I'm next. Yes, double Z. I predict, and this is starting, and Mike and Aaron going to have thoughts on this, but I predict that the fight for industrial workloads and the focus on Industry 4.0 is going to accelerate. Amazon has backed this up for me a couple weeks ago with some announcements, Amazon Monitron, Amazon Lookout for Equipment, and AWS Panorama. I mean, they're starting to really go all in. 
And what's interesting to me about this, and it's not just this, there's healthcare to some, some extent as well, is they're outside of IT. So this technology truly is a part of this business transformation. So we are seeing uh, this move uh, outside of traditional IT organizations, but they're going directly into these uh, industry 4.0 uh, you know, uh, focus areas. So I, I, and it's not just them. I think just, you know, globally, this is going to be a battle. If we look at what's happened with the pandemic this year, there's a big focus there. And I think these countries, and of course, the big battle is is between uh, China and the US. However, you know, to remove the reliance on the workforce like like the, they have had, I think it's, it's critical. So we're going to see uh, not just AWS, but others. I say AWS because, yes, they, they are ahead of the curve a little bit, but uh, we're going to see more of this. Any thoughts? I would agree. I think it become it comes down to execution. So I think there's going to be a major shakeup in manufacturing uh, because of it. But I think what's happened is there's been a lot of niche players and now the big guys smell blood, right? And they smell money. They got to keep their Kager up. So they're going to they're gonna go after this market hard. And I think you're going to see some new entrants into Industry 4.0 and, and, and sensors and, and uh, factory floors like you've never seen before. And it's going to be with some big players coming in because they know there's, there's money to be made. How ready are companies? That, that's, that's another question. Uh, that's a completely different question. How about the impact on globalization for O that you know, Davos had started speaking about a couple of years ago? Just I, there's, I think this is a, a very, very hot area and it's one area that will differentiate. Any, any thoughts from you, Dominic, or Lilac on, on industry and what's going on there that's so revolution? And again, it's a different regional plays that will come together. So in Germany, there's uh, been talk of this for, for a while and that's where much of the industry 4.0 uh, terminology has come out of the U.S. companies tend to talk about industrial IoT uh, until relatively recently, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, also interesting to see that cross pollination starts to happen. But yeah, I think there are all sorts of different things happening which will come together. It's, it all comes to democratization uh, with three D printing, including metal three D printing, starting to be at the level that you can do something useful with it. Uh, I'm a car nut. I follow all these, uh, you know, resto mod companies, and they're all doing really interesting things and making their own parts. And they're doing that increasingly, not by bashing things with hammers, but by designing something on a computer and sending a print job. Yeah, I think a sub story here is AWS just starting to reach, you know, these new audiences beyond the core technical developer, the data scientist. Yes. So I I think that was really what I was trying to say earlier with the sub story. It's really outside of that and and now focus on more of the business and and the business communities. That's what I meant earlier about business transformation. So it's to me very interesting. And again, another sub story would be the IT workforce. Uh, Are they... You know, is, you know what, what is the need there beyond, you know, operations? You know, we talked about this before, guys, architects. And so are there, you know, are, are you know, just them focusing outside of IT to me is, is interesting. And I think it's big. It shouldn't go unnoticed. I agree with you, actually. I think we talked about it in some prior podcast about how the, the person operating a lot of what we would consider these sort of technical jobs, what would have been considered an IT employee is now a business analyst or somebody on the other side of the wall. Um, and I think effectively what this is, is saying is that the, I'll call them broadly STEM skills, are needing to to expand far beyond. I mean, we even see that in like in marketing, right? Um, 
because I spend a tremendous amount of time on metrics and analysis and understanding. And now all of a sudden it's like, where's the tableau or the looker um, view of my marketing operation, um, which is a, a very, very different world than it was 20 years ago um, when you were looking at, at how marketing operated as more of a soft skill. Um, so I think that it also that drives a change in the buyer persona, the person who's buying the tableau is not the person who would have been buying the tableau equivalent 20 years ago. And, but that's also, it reverberates through the industry is where I'm going with that. The, the vendors have had to change behavior or new vendors have come into play where the old vendor has not changed behavior. And that is going to be the the more interesting uh, cultural development, I think. Well, there's exactly. a real, dis, there's a real, like an old style vendor might, you know, just sort of pull from the traditional Clay Christensen type philosophy, but the old style vendor would say that, you know, that super easy um, analytics tool that would make it so easy for your average marketing person to go ahead and use it might just not be robust enough for their audience, right? And they're not going to go build it. So somebody can come in underneath and say, actually, the super easy one has different benefits. It might not allow you to do differential equations, but it's you know, it, it provides you much greater access to analytics and, and they come in and, and change the market. And I actually think that's a good development, but I do think that it has ramifications across everything all the way down to our education pipeline for children, um, because all of a sudden, you know, this understanding of statistical significance is something that you better graduate high school with because all the jobs are going to require it. Uh, vice versa. The interesting thing to me is also how much we've all had to become jacks of all trades and we've not been able to specialize. Uh, the internet has taken away uh, many jobs and those jobs have partly been automated, but partly they've become things that all of us expect to do. We all plan our own travel itineraries, where before we might have just gone to a travel agent and said, you know, make it happen. And we all become audio and video editors, whether for our private Instagrams or for our semi-work side hustle podcasts, or whatever it might be. And, you know, we all make our own slides. It's um, there's an expectation of a breadth of ability there, which is enabled by all of these things. Uh, but there's, uh, it's also a change in attitude that you can't be, oh, I'm above doing these types of things. A junior person will take care of it. The intern will do it. The secretary will do it. God, so. my first job at IBM was affectionately known as Pitch Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I will. I just wanted to say that you know these business users, they they have you know Mike probably better than anybody limited experience with some technologies to make this happen. You know whether it's you know the machine learning uh, technologies, etc. So really, what AWS is doing, what they did ten years ago, simplifying this and just you know giving them a solution to drop in in place. So I think they'll be successful. I think there's there's a market here and it'll accelerate. Oh yeah, the business users understand the goal better than anyone. I've always said you know given the choice between someone who is technically super proficient but doesn't understand the domain of the problem and someone who un- deeply, intimately understands the domain of the problem and has good enough tech skills to get by, the second person will come up with a better solution than the first person every time. I think, um, you know, this continues down the low-code, no-code movement, right? Because that's what these users are, are ultimately using. I think... Uh, like you spoke about- scratch off my other prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you talked about, like starting, like uh, to train them, like starting from the school system. But to be honest, there's also this retooling that's happening in the workplace. Marketing, salespeople, uh, and and then the purchasers are just much more informed. So I think ultimately, what's 
what's happening is there's a lot of companies are starting to put together training programs to get these people together. I mean, let's force it. Let, let's face it. If your organization hasn't retooled in some way marketing and sales over the course of the pandemic this year, I mean, you're living in a bubble and it's going to happen this year, you're going to die. I mean, or it's going to, yeah, it's going to happen this year, you're going to die. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to, I, I, I believe. I agree with you. I think it's absolutely critical. I think it's interesting, though, when we think through the um, dynamics of that retooling and the skill sets that people have brought to the table in a lot of these roles, I think um, there's a there's, there's some hurdles to overcome, right? Because uh, in particular, so I have a long history in marketing. I'm not in marketing now, but I have a long history in marketing. And I would say that the, that we a large swath of marketing wasn't being hired, selected, trained, and um, valued for their quantitative analysis skills, right? It just wasn't a thing. Um, and 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 they were you know extremely successful and extremely valuable to the organizations. And there's still roles that don't require that. But um, I think... At, we've reached the sort of point that even the the um, guy or gal that's writing the email copy needs to be able to look at the lo- last time's response rate and say, you know, exclamation points cause more click through. Yeah, the thing is going to be the integration of these skills. So this is not a prediction because it's too vague and ill-formed. So I could claim victory too easily or have defeat pinned on me too easily. But I do think that one trend that we'll start to see more of is... Uh, easier ways to collaborate, whether it's human-human collaboration, different specializations, or human-to-machine collaboration, automation, AI, machine learning, uh, manifesting in more and more ways uh, to allow that to happen. And whether it's adding, uh, you know, numerical literacy to traditionally very soft skill content-focused domains like marketing, or whether it's in the other direction, and, you know, the, you can take this sort of thing too far. Uh, I've seen some very obvious and, and unfortunate examples of A-B testing uh, in 2020 that uh, really should not have been let out in the wild. But uh, when it's done right, it can really augment uh, the the power of, it, of the exercise. And the classic, the, the sum is greater than, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts situation. I I, I think you're absolutely right, Dominic. I, I think that that's um, going to be a really interesting evolution. Um, I do think that something that may come to facilitate it, and I'll be interested to see how it goes down. And again, my eye is on marketing because of the, the way that I've, my background, but I feel like a lot of the way in which we evaluate and our metrics, uh, it feels like there's a, a reinvention or not a standardized definition of a lot of these metrics across various parts of business. Like we obviously have our financial metrics down pat. Everybody knows what an EBITDA does. Um, but do we really know how a lead funnel operates in a way that's consistent between organizations? I've never been in two organizations that had the same definitions for SQL. Um, and I wonder, um, is, is some of that stuff going to be standardized, which will actually lower the bar of engagement for all the people that don't truly need to debate the nature of the denominator i think that's about the size of it yeah it's uh marketing metrics so okay no i'm i'm trying to digest it into something more that can be generalized more because i'm still in the the marketing salt mines and so i'm in exactly that position uh trying to you know, you try to connect and i make this change and that happens and how do i track it and there's always the the failure mode of this type of thinking that this is what is easy to measure. Therefore, this is what I shall track. That's uh, right. <laughs> and you end up over-indexing on metrics 
just because they're the ones that you have easy access to, but they're not perhaps the right ones. Maybe they're trailing indicators. Maybe they're completely disconnected from the actual behavior that you're purportedly trying to measure. And I was trying to figure out a way to say that more succinctly off the cuff and <laughs> haven't quite succeeded, but there it is. You know, one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there as a, as a prediction, uh, a lot of companies in, in 2021 are going to start to look at AI assistance for, for employees, uh, whether it's to uh, nudge people or to remind people of what they need to focus on. Uh, and it'll start, yeah, I mean, a lot of people complain that it's becoming surveillance state, but you know, Microsoft almost released a protectivity score. But I think it's going to happen whether Microsoft does it or not, where companies will look at it. Because I think if you're looking at an efficient workforce, um, it, it just improves. And I think what's going to be surprising is employees will adopt it and love it. So I think that's coming as well. I think and, it's and going to be wrapped along. as self-help. This is my theory, right? Because because I'm happy to have Peloton beat me down. I'm overjoyed to have it. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I really am, right? And then I hook up my Peloton to my to my Apple Health tracking, and then you know somebody's going to tell me I should meditate tomorrow, and and that's great, you know. And I'm actually overjoyed for that kind of um, support in my personal life. Um, and then and then I honestly I'm not sure that I would be so angry if Microsoft told me that maybe I should um, focus on the fucking email and get it done. Sorry, can I cuss on this podcast um, and, and stop flipping to my web browser to read blogs, um, you know, and, and maybe that would be helpful to me. But I think it's going to have to be packaged as self-help and not surveillance and 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 sort of, you know, the, the bulletproof coffee of, of operating your business environment and your professional life. That's the thing. And it has to be actually helpful uh, because and we had this conversation a couple of episodes ago uh, when Zach was uh, trying to sell me on Grammarly and that type of assistance, and I'm doing air quotes here, just makes me want to punch a screen. I, uh, no, get out of my way. You're I, a very I, good writer, Dominic. Ah, oh. <laughs> there we go. 2020s looking up already. <laughs> No, but that's that's it. And but I, I have this in all sorts of domains. Like so many times, I'm looking on a search engine and I'm looking for an exact string, and I know it's that exact sequence of words, and I cannot make it stop trying to help me. No, I do not mean things dissimilar to that. I do not mean <laughs> things that sound like it's a reference to that in other languages. I mean this precise sequence of words and no other words. If you come back and tell me no matches, that's good. I, but I just want to know ten thousand sort of kinder doesn't help me so i think we haven't quite crossed that that bridge yet well hold on let's let, you're talking about gpt3 as well but let's let's move on to that let's we have a few minutes let's make this a rapid fire round mike you have some other predictions do you have anything that's going to just make us go wow or what what do you have uh you know i think if you think about it okay what happens to intel uh you know i really think intel returns to dominance by q3 q4 i mean you can't have a company that's so quiet um and i think they'll have to blow the socks off everybody uh, i think uh, the obituaries are being written but i i wouldn't write them out i think they have uh, yeah it's american it's so vital to the u.s that i i think everybody will support intel so i think intel, intel returns to govern uh, to um to dominance Q3, Q4. That's big. That's big. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, come on, but you're the guy who always talks about photonics, right? So they've been focusing on other areas where everybody else is is still looking 
So that's a good segue. I, I don't want to cut in front of you, Dominic, but you want to go next? Make it rapid fire, or do you want me to go no, next? No, no, go for it if you have a rapid reaction. Yeah, Mike, so you're right. Silicone photonics, I am big on that. We have to get past electronics. You're exactly right. So how can we get that light right close to the CPU or right next to the ASIC? I think that's the secret here because power is holding us back from drones delivering packages and staying in the air for an hour, two hours. Power is also what is holding us back from these Class 5 autonomous vehicles. People look around and they say, why can't we make this happen? Power, power 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 so silicon photonics has been a big focus it is a big focus and i think we're going to start to see that so if intel can continue that trend then they will shake up the industry with silicon photonics i completely agree there you go you heard it here first don't buy all of those m1 macbooks m2 that will probably come out this year uh, until you've seen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> new intel chips i uh, will see um my rapid fire predictions what do we think linux on the desktop is 21 the year of Linux on the desktop, or maybe it's IPv6. Uh, no, no, that's <laughs> Mac OS. That's Mac OS. Come on, that's done. Yeah, that's what I've always said. No, my serious uh, rapid fire prediction we will see more cloud outages, we will see more security breaches, but we will also see the emergence of new ways uh, of looking at them as inevitable and how to deal with that situation, with that reality. Uh, it was an interesting conjunction that we had reInvent and they launched their fault injection products, their uh, Simeon Army products. And just straight after that, we had the SolarWinds breach. That uh, will kind of focus people's minds and it will just become a more normal and expected thing. It will be the weather. The, you know, You expect that to happen and you deal with it. You buy waterproof coats. You, you know, um, okay, we saw Amazon, we, we saw SolarWinds get hacked. I think we get closer and closer to the day where uh, a cloud provider, one of the big three gets hacked. And I think that day gets closer every, every, that day gets closer every day. I don't know if it's 2021, but it's coming. I mean, someone's going to find a weakness and, and just get behind the scenes and in one of these players. So that, that gets, that gets closer too. right? Uh, yeah, based on the cloud outages and all. So it's it's also the hack side. So, yep. And I guess mine would be, I am, I'm, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but the Slack acquisition by Salesforce is interesting to me um, because it's the corporate instant messenger game is now a two-player game with a bunch of like hangers on that, that aren't getting anywhere. Um, and I think my experience with Salesforce is, is such that I, I'm not sure how, they're going to handle this asset um, or whether they'll leave it standalone or truly start messing with it. Um, but my sense is that once these things become super prevalent, um, another wave comes at their heels. And so I'm willing to bet that by the end of the year, we're going to have, um, have you heard of this new thing tool and a subversive shadow um, new Slack entering organizations, um, starting with the startups and slowly moving their way up. Um, because this always leaves an opportunity for somebody else to turn up with some additional new feature or killer way of organizing the content. Um, and, and it's very difficult for the incumbents to pivot fast enough around that. Yeah. Slack sold out, man. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, and I think because Slack and, you know, the people who use Slack and are like the proponents of Slack will feel that way that it's sold out. I think Discord is the new Slack, to be honest. And I see a marriage with Zoom coming. I mean, Zoom has to do something. I mean, Discord and Zoom, you know, they need to, you know, walk down the aisle and get married and, and go after that, those Slack people who feel disenfranchised. I think that that has got to come there. And Dominic said something earlier that is spot on. It's how we communicate with each other. So right now, large, uh, you know, 
uh, traditional business phone systems like Cisco, for example, and Avaya, these people are hurting. They're struggling. They're not selling these systems in these traditional campuses. Everybody's leveraging, like you said, you know, either Zoom for video conferences or leveraging Teams, you know, for their voice and their video. So there, there is a big, big shift um, right now going on because I talk to people that are in some of these large companies and they're telling me that there is a slowdown, a slowdown in the professional services organization, a slowdown in some of the sales. And that, to me, is directly related to what we're seeing and how we're communicating with each other. So uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. So here's something that's not a prediction. I don't actually think this will happen because I'm a cynic, uh, but I would love it to happen. All of these platforms have kind of failed at their goal of being the one platform. Teams is arguably the closest to being the one platform, but it's still not that. And... I would love it if some of them realized this. And instead of trying to merge together to create the one platform, uh, we just started seeing open protocols again. I miss the days when I had half a dozen handles on different chat networks, but I had a single chat client that would concentrate all of my interactions across all of these things. I would love to be able to ask my phone, hey, when did I last talk to, you know, Alice, Bob, whoever it is, and that would be able to figure it out across my various text chats, my various voice chats, my various video chats, and bring it all together in one place that I could find that one link that I sent them that I've forgotten about. That's not that possible today incredible. because they're walled gardens. I mean, I, I I have probably five ways to communicate with my colleagues on my phone alone, um, and I have no idea where I put the link at all. Yeah. I think really quick for my next rapid fire is ethics and AI. We're going to hear more about that in 2021, 2022, and it's going to be more pervasive. It's a good discussion that everyone's going to have. We're already starting to hear about that. Uh, we've heard about it a little bit a couple of years ago, looking at resumes. I think there were some, some questions going on. It might have been AWS. I'm not sure. But AI ethics. Any thoughts? No, Google's having that conversation unwillingly right now. They fired, for those who've been living under a rock, they fired one of their uh, preeminent AI researchers who happens to be a black woman. And all sorts of things have been coming out uh, about Google's behavior in similar situations in the past. This one just happens oh. to be high profile enough. They can't shut it down. So Timni Tegebru is the name uh, of, of this researcher. You can look her up in, in your own time. We're starting yeah. to run out of podcast time. But... Yeah, that story does not seem to be dying down. I agree. I I don't think though that I I think that's a non-story, Zach, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't I think some companies are getting to general intelligence, but most companies are still tr struggling to get narrow intelligence. If anything, I think companies will shore up investment dollars to start their own ILML labs uh, to get to narrow intelligence. But I, I think there's so few and far a few companies focused on general intelligence that I don't think we're going to get there. And I don't think we're nowhere near to like consciousness and super intelligence. Like, Oh, but no it way. doesn't, it doesn't have to be that level of exactly. general intelligence. Look at the Stanford uh, uh, vaccine yeah. di uh, distribution story. Yes. Uh, the Stanford faculty was blaming, Oh, the algorithm did it. So it's nothing right. to do with us. No man. It, the algorithm was designed by people. The priorities that the algorithm manifests are the priorities of the organization. You can't hide behind the computer made me do it. And, and didn't we have something last summer where somebody, wasn't there something last summer, Dominic, you brought up where there was, uh, I believe, a uh, uh, an African-American that was mistaken because of AI and got arrested or something. He was profiled incorrectly. Oh, it was uh, the face recognition yeah. software. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I, I don't know. I think uh, that's the great thing about predictions. Let's circle back in 12 months. I mean, I, I think it's going to be more of a discussion, much more of a discussion. It's going to be much more front and center, Mike, is what I think. I'm not I'm not saying that this is going to be something that's going to be you know front page, but we're definitely going to have a more discussion of it. And that's the great thing about predictions. We'll, we'll find out in 12 months uh, where everything lies, but I do think it'll be a bigger discussion. It has to be a bigger discussion as AI is continuing to accelerate. We have to address that. Tell you what, let's hope that by 12 months from now, we're all able to meet up in person and argue about who pays the bill <laughs> for a massive steak dinner. <laughs> we discuss how whose predictions played out. At with. reinvent, I presume, Dominic. That's yeah, we're, we're all going to reinvent. <laughs> Everyone yeah, there is you going go. to reinvent. <laughs> it's going to be a big year for events. No one is trying to duck out of events in 2021. <laughs> well, well, with that... Uh, I think we are way over time, in fact. So let us look forward to a 2021 that is extremely boring with no major news stories. 2020 has had enough excitement for several years. I'm looking forward to being able to ignore the news <laughs> for a long time. If we make it through the first seven days with no big news stories, I think we're we're set. We're set, yeah. <laughs> Optimist. <laughs> yeah, happiness, happiness, yeah. Uh, but I definitely look forward to talking to all of you lovely people uh, every week for 2021. Uh, this has been a highlight of my 2020, and I hope we manage to continue it once our lives get back to something approaching normality. Same here. Thank you, Lilac, for joining us again. Um, yeah, cool. and here's to 2021. Let's go. Yeah, thanks, everybody. 2021, here we are.